Up next on Inside Champ Car, we talk about Road America and Harris Hill. We speak to Timothy Elliott about a turtle. Welcome to Inside Champ Car. Brian's down south of me at the VIR for the SCCA runoffs. So this week's episode is hosted by me, Bill Strong. And I'm joined by the ever-popular, the Champ Car Live host with the most, Paul Veltum. Hey, Paul, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Bill. Thank you. So uh, we had a long weekend at uh, Road America here, eight and seven hour. Well, which isn't really that long. Not like those 14-hour or 24-hour races. The uh, Right. It's a good kind of tired, though. It's the kind of tired when you've spent the whole weekend racing, and that's, uh, that's always a good thing. Now, um, we were actually broadcasting the Road America race. Exciting race, man. It uh, started out, a lot of cars going off, um, breaking down, uh, lots of oil slicks in certain spots. Not as many as we had, or not as bad as we had at Mid-Ohio a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a little scary at first because that's such a big track with such high speeds that uh, people could get hurt. Um, luckily, we didn't really have anybody get hurt, but we had some cars damaged on that Saturday race. I think the, uh, what was that car? The um, Thunderbird or have a, Half a Bird. Uh, that got seriously damaged when he lost his brakes and went into, uh, I forget which corner he went into, but it was a big, hairy corner. It might have been the last corner uh, before you come up the front straightaway. And uh, he hit that wall pretty good, crunched up the car. And then we also had another car, I think on Sunday, the Ford Focus actually went into a wall, displaced that. I think we had two or three red flags the whole weekend, mainly so they could fix the tire walls, nothing else. And uh, just put them back. It's safer for, for them to do it when guy or they can get it done quicker when we pull them down pit lane. Um, yeah, we had so two cars that got into the tire wall and did a lot of damage to their cars and um, both brake failures. Right. Uh, which was really a little bit unusual. Um, maybe it's because we just happened to learn about that. Um, we also had some clutch failures, both good, bad, and the ugly. And uh, we saw premium dudes really struggling with clutch issues as well. Managed to get their car home. Um, why do you think we had clutch two. issues? Why Why do you think? Because that does seem odd. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, if it's if it's an issue with the way the cars are driven, you know, you think about the number of times you use that clutch, and especially in a car like the Good, Bad, and the Ugly, it has so much power. Um, there's a lot of shock going through the drive line, through some of these corners, up on the cl- up on the curbs. Um, that can that can do some damage. So, and there's always the possibility of oil. Um, we don't know what happened with right. premium dudes. They had sort of a combination issue going on there, but between um, a lack of application where it was slipping, but at the same time they they wouldn't they weren't able to disengage. Typically, when a clutch wears, the friction point comes up, and so it's actually easier to disengage the clutch. But they were having trouble with that. So they may have had a combination of hydraulic issues and, and leakage causing it to slip. We don't know. Yeah, from the interview, he had said that uh, Nathan had said that they were also having diff issues too, that it wasn't working right. We also had the threat of showers all weekend long and really didn't play into the race very much at all. So uh, it was a really interesting race. There was a fair amount of attrition uh, at the beginning of the races, and that's that's very common. 
Um, but nothing like what we had back in the old days. We had a lot of cars on this racetrack finishing these races. Yeah, you're right. Because, you know, you, I remember going back recently and kind of looking at what how we finished in a lot of these races and and knowing that a whole bunch of cars started, but at the end of the race there was not that many left. And I know there were some races where we didn't do well because of some, you know, some garage issues or, you know, we had some parts fall off the car, usually wheels or whatever. And, but we still finished mid-pack or higher because of the attrition. So, yeah, it is good that these, the cars are getting, and the teams are getting more and more reliable. Yep. It looks like we had a really solid race weekend out there at Harris Hill in Texas as well. Um, the majority of the teams finished the race. I think we had maybe one DNF. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. Uh, those guys are tough. And we had over 30 teams out there uh, battling out there in the hot Texas sun. And uh, it looked like a really exciting race. We were kind of following things while on Champ Car Live, keeping an eye on the standings as things were shifting around. So it's like a, a good, exciting race, both in Texas and in Wisconsin this weekend. Well, let's go ahead and play the interviews from Road America. I don't have interviews from Harris Hill, which would have been cool because that Zelady actually did pretty well. They finished on the podium for the first time ever, and they were super excited. They were posting all over social media the excited uh, videos of people screaming and yelling, and and for once it wasn't fighting on pit lane. It was excitement. <laughs> not that that happens in Champ Car. Well, the excitement does, but not the fighting part. So uh, let's listen to our interviews from yeah. Road America. Down here with Saturday's Road America, not Road Atlanta, Road America winner, JSK Performance, and their 176 Nissan, the Nissan um, Maxima. So this is like the the do-all car in racing, isn't it? Because uh, not only does it do well at smaller tracks, I say like Gingerman or whatever, but at super high-speed tracks like... uh, Road America. It does, yeah. It uh, it pulls its weight. It's it's got that in between, you know, front wheel drive advantage, mixed with you know being an old sedan that gives it that that good go. And it's tuned by Quantum Performance. Aaron here, the man that you were just interviewing, yeah. is the guy that uh, tunes this thing for us. And makes where is it? Because I had the mic way over there. Uh, where is Quantum Performance? Yeah. Where are you guys located? Right, Port Washington, Wisconsin. Fredonia. Yeah. Fredonia, that's just, it. Fredonia, Wisconsin, just Fredonia south of the track. They also uh, tune uh, the Mercedes. Uh, Those guys. Two yeah. brothers. Yeah, two brothers. He tunes their car yeah. as well. So you're the driver. What's your name? Glenn Cruzy. So Glenn Cruzy. So you're, I don't know, third, fifth, ninth, twelfth, or whatever. Seemed like the last lap of the race. There you are up front. Did they tell you you were up front, or they just say keep going? Oh, uh, they were keeping me very well informed that last stint. Um, when I got in the car, I thought there was a very outside chance that we could get up to first, but uh, didn't think it was a real good one. I was pushing as hard as I could, given the condition of the tires, and uh, then we hey, got, look, Those we Continentals got look new. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those things are roached. I'm no seriously. They're not. They're not completely well, bald. That's a rear tire. We had yeah. to take a front one off earlier. We 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 took a puncture too. So those Continentals did not have a good day. So uh, with that, the cool conditions of this track. It wasn't really hot. We thought it was going to be hotter today, but uh, with the cool conditions, the overcast skies, did that help you a lot on this track? 
Well, uh, since I'm recovering from COVID personally and I did four hours in the car, definitely the cool conditions helped a lot because I wasn't smart enough to cool use the cool suit like him. <laughs> um, but uh, overall, this car likes uh, all conditions. It really likes this track. I know you said that it does well on some of the other tracks. This is really the track for this car. Um, we haven't had as much success other places recently. But we love this place, and it loves us. You guys uh, suffered a black flag earlier this morning. I won't say Paul Cruz was involved, but uh, or somebody was. Was it you? <laughs> um, I was driving. Oh. Um, it was. It was very confusing. Uh, I passed somebody between one and three. There was no flag at two, um, so I was alongside them when I popped over the hill. But they had the yellow out in three, and I guess they decided that the pass wasn't complete, so they gave it to me and. I thought that might happen, but it, it was a little crazy that first stint. There were more yellow laps than there were green ones. It was pretty crazy out there, and it wasn't. It, a lot of yeah, there's a lot of breakdowns. That was yeah. that was a big thing. Yeah, and the the flag tracks was mostly reliable, but like yeah, we're the, gonna fix that. We had an issue, but it's it'll be fixed tomorrow. At the very end, I came into the carousel, and uh, it was. Flagtronics was green, so I was p passing somebody, I guess, the turn before the carousel, and then there was a flag in the carousel. It was still showing green in the Flagtronics. I was like, oh my gosh, I hope there wasn't a flag at the previous corner because the Flagtronics was telling me green, and so, you know, I finished my pass, but uh, nothing bad happened, so I guess there wasn't a flag at the previous corner, but there was definitely some inconsistency between the two. Overall, though, the flaggers, Boy, they had a difficult day today. Everybody seemed to want to go off track and get in trouble. So, uh, you know, they got my full respect for uh, how well they did given all the, the drama. Who were your drivers this weekend? This weekend it was myself, Sean Samblinet, and the car owner, uh, Scott Costellic. Cool. All right, guys, congratulations on your win here at Road America. Thank you very much, Thank Bill. You. I keep saying Road Atlanta. I know. <laughs> the rain was in the advantage, though. Sunday's winner here at Road America, JSK Racing. Good race, man. You guys uh, battled back. There was other guys up front today, but uh, they suffered troubles, and uh, you benefited from it. Yeah, the rain The rain was our friend this morning. We were able to make that work with the tires and uh, the front-wheel drive advantage. And they, they... Is it really an advantage with front-wheel drive in the rain? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We got so lucky today. We had the rain in the beginning. We had an MOV penalty we needed to make up. And we were just, you know, maybe five seconds a lot faster than the other guys. Then a yellow flag comes and wipes out the two-minute lead that premium dudes had on us. So that put us right back into the game again. You know, we did that on purpose just for the, it's a competition yellow, we like to call it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, uh, and then I, I, I'm sure you know, they didn't have uh, any ability to shift. So they drove an amazing race, all things considered. We were a little, uh, our tires were a little beat, so we had to keep our pace a little cooler than yesterday, and we were having some problems with third gear as well. But overall, the car held together, and, and today we were just lucky. Yesterday we were fast, today we were just lucky. A good race. So with, with uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of folks out there having issues, um, you know, mechanically and you know driver issues and such. So uh, did that did that that did help? Oh, it helped us a lot. I know the. The Salins car uh, had a, a talking to, I guess, or we saw their number on the black flag board. Um, we were completely clean today. The yellows came at the perfect time for us to advance, and uh, we were consistent, and 
just didn't do anything wrong. And, and today was one of those days that if you did that, you were gonna run pretty well because everyone was having so many problems. Who were your drivers today? Uh, same as yesterday. So uh, we had Sean start and finish. We had Scott in second, and then myself, Glenn, I did the uh, third stint. Sean, was that, uh, that rain hard to, hard to run in the rain? It was very challenging because, as you saw, it started to rain a little, then it stopped, then it rained, then it was raining in 14, and it was sunny over in 7, and it was like raining in 1, but not, so, I, it was just, like he said, you, you just drive to survive, so just back it off a little bit, just, you know, push, see when it's getting too wet, and slow it down, and you feel it's starting to dry out, then you take off, so. So, so what's that like when you come around the corner, slippery, raining, whatever, and you come around again the next lap, and it's perfect, and then you come around the next one, and, and it's, it's raining? Not. Yeah. When it's not, you pray that there's no cars around you. <laughs> because I came down five when it was raining more, and down in the Canada corner, and there was a Mustang and some other car in front of me, and I'm like, oh crap, it's raining a lot more right now. And I was on the brakes, on the brakes, and getting close to the bumper. I'm like, okay, thank you. Yeah. you know? But yeah, that's it, that's the problem, is when it starts raining more, just don't be near cars. There you go. But, All right, guys. Congratulations, win here on Sunday and Saturday yes. at uh, Road America. Thanks a lot. Right, thank guys. you, Good race. Yeah, that rain was... Uh, Pretty pretty wild because it was like you could see it like pouring over to our right towards the entrance to Road America, but it was sunny over on the left side of the the track. You know, turn three and four. But had you run there in the rain? Yeah, I've run there in the rain. I've run there in the snow and rain. Oh, snow and um, rain. <laughs> but an inconsistent racetrack is pretty difficult it, because your tires keep changing temperature yeah. and and grip and and uh, of course changing corner to corner like that where you don't know what's going to look like in three minutes when you come back around yeah um yeah it's pretty challenging but i could tell by listening to what these guys were saying that they all had a great they all had a oh, great yeah. time this weekend yeah. and, and your interviews are the best book too by the way nobody does interviews like bill strong so that was a lot of fun listening to those guys yeah all right paul now let's move on to our guest and uh here we go Every race weekend, you don't know what's going to happen. But with ChampCar.Live, all the action comes right into your living room. The Champ Car Endurance Series is North America's home to real competitive endurance road racing. And ChampCar.Live brings you live, full race coverage with in-car, trackside cameras, interviews, and expert commentary. And ChampCar.Live brings you live, full race coverage with in-car and trackside cameras, interviews, and expert commentary. Check out ChampCar.Live on the web, subscribe, and ring the bell so as not to miss a single minute of the action. It's fun, free, informative, and it's just a click away. ChampCar.Live. Come check us out. We bring you a front row seat, but you'll only need the edge. Welcome back to Inside Champ Car. I'm Bill Strong. He is... Paul Beltzum. There you go, Paulie. Welcome back, guys, and uh, we're and uh, we're back. We're talking with Timothy Elliott. He's the guy in charge of the Turtle, a 1980s Volkswagen Golf GTI, or as the Americans call it, a Rabbit GTI. Tim, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. By the way, it, it, he's no longer a Rabbit. He's identified as a Turtle GTI. <laughs> turtle GTI. <laughs> he's running fine. <laughs> So um, we'll talk about what happened to the car in a bit, but what got you started in racing? 
Oh my goodness, that that goes way back. Um, Were there horses involved? No, 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 no. I, I'm old, but not quite that old. Uh, yeah, my my dad used to take us to some dirt track races when we were little kids. Um, getting the clay and mud in your face was kind of cool. Um, I've got three brothers and no sisters, so it it was a fun time when I was young. Um, probably the biggest thing that got me interested in any kind of race car, though, was back in 1970, so I would have been about eight years old. Uh, he took us to State Fair Park to the Milwaukee Mile, and we watched a ASA race, I believe it was, with uh, Norm Nelson and Roger McCluskey. And Roger was driving Norm Nelson's 70 Superbird uh, white car with a blue and orange numbering, um, pretty much white. And I just, I fell in love with Superbirds at that point. Mm. I still love them to this day. Um, just one of my favorite cars of all time. Um, the same light, as far as the actual racing goes. Well, wait, I, wait, wait a sec. Let's get back to the, the Superbird. Let's get back to cars, because I, 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 I'm a mechanic, too. Let's, so. let's get back to the Superbird. So my, my dad bought a 1968 Dodge Charger. But before you start going, oh, cool, it's a 318 three-speed on the car. Brand spanking new in '68. That's cool. Yeah. It, well, now it is. They, I never liked. I never liked the Chargers because I always thought they looked boxy compared to the Superbird and the Road. Well, wait. The Road in, is a little in the dealership. Um, for '69 because we bought at the end of the year. And for '69 was the Daytona, or maybe it was when we went to get parts or something. But the '69 Daytona charger or charger daytona was in the showroom and i it was blue almost sure. the, the same blue as we had which was the light metallic blue but it just blew me away i was just like this is awesome you know just uh, it has a wing like an airplane you know oh and, yeah and it, yeah, the absolutely. nose was pretty it was, awesome it, it was fascinating cars and yeah they would have been about the same age i was yeah. at the time i saw my first one maybe a year before because you saw the dodge yeah but <laughs> the but yeah it was um it was pretty cool. Now, then you, so in the in the 70s, you're, you're going to races with your dad, your brothers? Well, mainly for the early 70s. After that, though, we didn't go very much. Um, occasionally, we'd go to an IndyCar race at the Milwaukee Mile. Um, I'd heard about Road America, but it, but it was, it, like I had said on the uh, interview the other day, the... Uh, it was a secret sports car club and that track was kind of a secret track. You didn't go up here. At least we didn't, we were probably poor middle class or maybe right. middle, middle class. And it just didn't afford that. But the Milwaukee mile was within their parents' budget. Right. And they gave us something to do. So that was so, a lot like me, whereas we would go to El Cajon Speedway every now and then if dad could afford the three bucks to get in. Right. You know, and yeah. So it was, Paulie, you, you guys, you guys had bucks, didn't you? You grew up affluent. <laughs> no. <laughs> Good answer. No. Dad just worked very, very hard. He was um, an, an excellent. He was the best service technician in the shop, and he that was back in the day when you could make good money yeah. being tech if you were really good at what you did, and he did. Yeah, that's where I'm at now. It took this many years, but... I'm a good tech where I'm at, and I, I love working in the shop. I've, I've always liked working on the cars. In fact, many people have asked me over the years why I never opened my own shop. And 
the majority of it is was when I was a young tech, I realized that the owners never got a chance to do anything. Yeah, They were always tied to that business. And it took them away from actually working on the cars. And that's the part I enjoy. Well, when you're not there, you're not making money. Or the people that work for you take the money. Well, yeah, you know. It's hard to find. My bosses have been fortunate because there's no way I'd ever steal anything from them. And I believe very strongly that stealing time is still theft from a business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you're working, you really have no right being there if you're getting paid. Right. So. And so, it's, it's a different attitude nowadays. Everybody expects you to be paid simply because they exist, yeah. which is bizarre to me. <laughs> but that seems to be an attitude a lot of the younger generation at this point. You run across quite a few that are like-minded like us, but yeah. it, not near as often as it should be in my book. Right. And again, getting taken away from what part of the job you enjoy doing never really interested me. I'd much rather be working figuring out what the problems were and getting satisfaction out of finding the hard ones and fixing them. And right. I guess now, you learn to persevere over that too, over time, because there's so many times that you have an issue and being able to work through that whole issue and get to an end that gives you a solid conclusion. And that, that, that satisfaction is something, if you don't have that kind of drive, you won't understand. Well, Part of the, I think with Champ Car, we're fast forwarding here a bit, but with Champ Car, I think some of the best mechanics on pit lane are the guys like yourself that have worked in that for so long. You kind of know where to go, what to look for. You know the basics. It's still, you're right. It it helps, but at the same light, I I made a mistake on Friday and wasted half a day chasing a part (laughs) that wasn't bad. But again, I didn't have all my tools at my disposal at and you know it's you kind of jump to conclusions once in a while that yeah. you probably shouldn't yeah i've had many of those and you just get home hard. yeah you're driving home and you're like what the hell did i was i thinking i look like an idiot out there just throwing money at this thing and all it was was yeah. i had that thing on backwards you know and it was just, yeah. exactly but there again that's part of life and part of racing yeah. and you, you learn from it and ultimately i mean this weekend to me was just a huge learning curve experience um, this was the first time I had uh, 225, 45, 15s on the car. Um, we'd been running a 185, 55, 14, and the difference is insane just on the tires alone. Well, that's a better you – you have a better tire now compared to the, what you can get in the 14s. I have two inches wider. Well, that too. Um, yeah, that believe me, that's the big thing. Yeah, the tires bad that we had in the 14s. Unfortunately, they stopped making them. I was using the Federal 959s. Uh, right now, and the 14 is way different than the ones in the 15. Now going I found that. Now going back to the 80s, you, you start playing around with cars, and back I'm when you did run 185, 60, 14s. <laughs> what was that? Oh, now yeah. back when you did I, run 185, 60, 14s in 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 like VWs My, and such. My my '68 Dodge van. I had uh, 170 slant six A100, three on the tree. It had L60 15s on the back that I stuffed in, and little 14s oh, up yeah. front. I think '78 because <laughs> yeah, have, it was a cool van. It had a, side pipe. Did you have moon moon, moon roof or the moon window on it? Oh no, no no moon window, but it was it, and it was a window van. It was a short, it, it kind of like the little red wagon, right. but the van. Yeah. Yeah. 
and and I had side pipes on it, um, awesome. flames on the side <laughs> that I had a friend paint on by <laughs> hand. <laughs> um, I think Paulie had one of those, didn't you, Paul? The love machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If this fan's a rocking, no, that is that is pretty cool. I, I admire you for having that. That's cool. <laughs> it was fun, and honestly, I took my driver's test in that band. My dad owned it at the time. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah. I, I I was a short little kid. I weighed. I was second smallest kid in my class till the summer of my junior year, and when I went in for my driver's test, I think I was probably. I don't know, 98 pounds and probably four foot, I don't know, probably 4'11", <laughs> four, four, four maybe on a good day, yeah. And the driving instructor that I had, or the tester, um, had taken me out around Milwaukee driving, and I've got three on the tree on this thing, a 170, yeah, 170 slant six with a single barrel carb. Right. And I'm driving just fine. I had to wear my seatbelt because if I didn't, when I pushed the pedals, I'd come up off the seat. Oh, funny. <laughs> and I took and blew him away. In fact, he told me we're driving down the road and it's a two lane road with a median in the middle, two, two lanes each way. And he goes, Oh, we're going to be turning up ahead. I'm like, okay, cool. He goes, Oh, I meant here. And we're coming up on this corner. Well, I looked in the mirror. Nobody's coming on the left. Um, I'm still, I don't know, probably 50 to hundred feet from the, the turn he wanted me to take so i quick slow it down and move over to the left and the guy said oh no no you, you could go into the next one i'm like well you said you wanted me to turn yeah. here <laughs> he passed me no problem cool. first time <laughs> it's like cool now when you start racing what or, or sorry you, you you got involved in um autocrossing was it no no i was i got involved first in go-karting that's right um yeah. but late late into it i mean 28 years old between that time i had gone through one marriage and uh was on my second and that was on its way out already uh but i had a cousin actually a third cousin but a cousin nonetheless he's 15 years old and running a go-kart out in dousman which is maybe an hour from milwaukee a 16th of a mile road course go-kart track and he's taking his five horse briggs light out there race cart um on a Saturday and asked if I wanted to come along. So I joined him and he let me drive the cart for, I don't know, a couple hours at least. It was like 15 bucks to do it. I owned one by the next weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was like, yeah, this is it. Now, was this a proper and, shifting cart or was it like a yard cart? No, they're, they're actual racing carts, but they were running a, a, a centrifugal clutch with the five horse brigs and they had specific rules on what the weights were, um, what minimum, um, and the Briggs light was a fairly light class. Well, I'm not a big guy. I never have oh, been. Yeah. So I was able to run these classes. Um, after blowing up that third motor though, it, it became apparent this was going to be expensive. And the other aspect of that was I was racing as an adult with a majority of kids that had no idea about what life was right, <laughs> right. run over you, through you, into you. And it kind of scared me a little bit. So getting into the car was, was definitely the way to go. And I'd been a mechanic for a while. I knew I could build a car motor that wouldn't blow up repeatedly. In fact, my, my first motor I built for the Scirocco ended up lasting 42 races. So you started out was, with a Scirocco? No, you started out with a, a um, golf or a rabbit. 
Yeah. Rabbit, yeah, the GTI, Rabbit GTI. Um, and that was because the team needed somebody to fix the car. They knew I was a good tech and they knew I was racing. But at the time they approached me, I was racing the go-kart and was investing right. all my money time in that. And after the third motor blew, it was like, you know what? I better check and see if these guys need help. Now, the, the Rabbit GTI, was that um, the mechanical fuel injection or, or they had they moved on to the electrical yet? Oh, no, same time. thing we got in, in Turtle. It's a CISE. It's electronic a bit, but it's basically a mechanical system. You can run them with or without the oxygen sensor. But it has a pump. Them. It's the pump off to the side oh, of the engine bay, and it's a big block thing that... Oh. The fuel distributor, right, is on top of the air cleaner. Oh, okay. And then yeah. you, have, you got the spider web of hoses that go up over okay. to each injector and the warm-up regulator and the cold start injector. And then they also have a override that the computer, well, they say not to call it a computer because it's that old, but it, it uses the airflow or the uh, oxygen sensor signal to determine how much fuel to inject or how much to regulate the head pressure between the top and bottom of the mechanical right now paul you were a you were a mechanic at one point in your life did you uh did you ever work on that stuff i don't remember working on rabbits no yeah the csi volvo volvo had it yeah Working on were cars from the 90s. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, okay, you were past. They were they were past all that. But you worked. You, I think you worked at a dealership, right? You were a dealership guy, right? I worked at two different dealerships, and I also worked at an independent service garage in my career. I was in the. I was in automotive for 15 years. Okay. I also worked at a truck shop for a year. Well, that's where the yeah, money's at. <laughs> right. No, but you know what? I I out of high school. Well, go back a little further. Junior high. I did an aptitude test, and at the time, I wanted to be a pilot in the worst way. Yeah, I wanted did, to fly yeah. pilot. Yeah, had to. And uh, it, it, I, I was probably eighth grade, and the guidance counselor looked at my scores um, on the aptitude tests, and he goes, wouldn't you rather be a, a, a mechanic on airplanes? I'm like, why? He goes, you scored in the 99th percentile in the nation on mechanical aptitude. I'm like, Oh no! I want to fly them, man. Yeah. I don't want to work on them. <laughs> were you were you wearing glasses back then? No. Yeah. Okay. Because nope. that's uh. I, I my my glasses really aren't to see far. It's because as the years have yes, gone I, on, know. I, I know, I <laughs> know. We don't talk well, about I've it. <laughs> I got the readers now. Yeah. But in fact, I've got safety glasses I wear at work with readers built in. Yeah, I mean, so. I'm I'm in the tri- in the uh, transition stage now. You know the yeah. transition lenses, so I think Paulie's yep. still on reading glasses. He's not old enough yet. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> after transition, <laughs> so after after junior high and high school, I decided to take one year of diesel mechanics, mainly because I didn't know what to do. And right. with the upbringing, I ended up going down to South Carolina to Bob Jones Institute for Christian Tradesmen. Oh, and okay. uh, my brothers had gone to the college there to the university. My older brother had. That's the one um, with the extremely strict rules. Like you can't even look oh, at the yeah. girls. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> and it was the upbringing way too long a story to go into all that, but no, the totally school was good. And I had had enough mechanical um, and automotive. I had learned enough at that point that I knew that 
I probably wouldn't learn much at college for that. But diesels, I didn't know that much about. And I figured, hey, good thing to yeah. build the, you know, yeah. So I went ahead and did that for a year. It was a two-year course. I couldn't afford to come, go back to it. So I, uh, when I came back up to Milwaukee, I ended up starting to work at a shop um, just on cars. I had learned one thing about diesel. I'm not a big guy. Oh. Diesels, diesels weigh a lot. Every part of it weighs a lot. Intake weighs a lot. Yeah. And I wasn't so sure that was for me. So I ended up getting a job in a shop that the guy was his single proprietor shop. He had gotten enough business. He needed help. Took a chance on a kid just out of one year of tech school and figured he could teach him. And uh, he was an ASE master technician, which I always admired. He was a great teacher. I was an annoying employee and student because I was learning everything about working on cars while I was there. Um, I lasted about three quarters of a year before it got busy enough that he needed somebody he could depend on that he didn't have to answer all the questions with. And I agreed at the time and ended up taking about a three month hiatus um, back working cleaning office buildings with a job I had out of high school or in high school. And shortly thereafter, I found a neighbor that had a, a job opening at a shop and a neighborhood friend. And he went ahead and hired me as his mechanic. And I was service manager and mechanic at the shop for years after that. I finally got to an actual dealership later on. But yeah, the, the diesel stuff helps. I, I still love diesels. In fact, my new truck's a diesel. And uh, I like it I, until I, you have to pay for something to get fixed. That's when it sucks. Yeah. Paulie knows it don't matter. You're going to pay no matter what. And the parts aren't that much different. I have a lot of gasoline cars. That that diesel, I had no clue on the total cost of ownership of one. And it surprised me. All everybody talked about was, oh, you'll never even notice the, tra the trailer back there. And, yeah. you know, it's probably because the weight was leaving my wallet, you know, for all the stuff <laughs> I had to buy. Yeah, it's possible. Anyway, so yeah, when as you far as the reason, so how did the racing you, go? Yeah, how'd you get involved yeah. with racing? Well, mainly because of the the two friends that had asked if I'd work on their car, and uh, at the time I'd said no. Immediately after blowing up the third motor, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna hunt them down and see if they still need somebody to work on the car." What were they and, racing in? Uh, uh, they were running uh, ITA at the time. Oh, SCC stuff. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was SCCA, and uh, I had learned enough about SCCA at the go-kart track that it was certain to ping my interest. We had one go-kart race up at Road America, so I had seen the track and knew that a Briggs 5 horse was never going to do any good up there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Top speed, 65, 70, yeah, it's not yeah. Be, be all day. Anyway, the, uh, the race car part of it was uh, pretty easy to do. I told them I'd work on it for free if they'd let me take that car when the other driver was not doing a race and use it for the driver's schools because oh, with yeah. SCPA, you needed to have a competition license. And the way to get that was two driver schools. And then they'd sign you off to a regional license. And then from there you progress yep. to national. Um, I probably went through the progression 50 times faster than anybody else. Of course I was 28, 29 at the she time. Had money. And yeah. I, I didn't have a lot of money, but I had enough. 
I, I didn't have a lot of other expenses either. Right. So it was like, I want to go race fine. And back then it was actually reasonable. Yeah. I mean, to me, $200 to enter a race was probably on the high side. So when was this? Um, oh, this was like 91. So you were 90. racing then too, weren't you, Paul? SEC 187. Yeah. yeah. That's so you started just before I did. Yeah. And then Blackhawk Farms. My man, you start getting down to those tracks. It was so much fun. Is that and still around? That's one of the tracks I started on. Oh, yeah. Yep. Blackhawk's still there and they still use it. But like Champ Car's problem with it is you're trapped inside. I was oh. at a six hour I was at a six hour endurance race there with my Scirocco and I uh, had three other drivers. Um during the race we had a mouse and Miata that lost their alternator and they didn't have a spare. Um they pulled up the the pathway to go out and stopped at the edge of the track and talked to the corner station. Go, can we cross the track? They radioed into control and goes, well, is it a race car? They're like, yeah, it's a race car, but he's on the, well, he wants to cross the track. Yeah. Is he fully oh. prepared? Does he have his helmet and everything on? They're like, yeah. You go, yeah, go ahead and send him when it's clear. <laughs> so he ended up leaving the track, going out to the, Auto parts store bought the alternator, came back, they threw it on. It's hilarious. Oh, that's but track. Yeah, yeah. No problem. Dana, guess what we need to do? <laughs> Put your helmet on, Dana. I'm sure yeah. there's an insurance clause in there that would allow that. Yeah. Probably somewhere. It is, I doubt Probably it. not. Yeah, I, I'd be real surprised. But anyway, that that was that was one of the more fun times. I, I always had fun racing. So and, and that's just it. So you so you started uh IT racing, improved touring. Yes. And um so how'd you find out about Chump Car, Champ Car? Well, that actually is later in life. Um I'd been doing lots of work when I wasn't racing out at Road America. My late wife was really big into that. So from ninety four on we were together and uh she and I would go out and work. I'd work a lot of the events and she was working tech. Well, to me, that was too much like work. So I do time and scoring back in the day when we had to pull tabs. And oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was a lot of fun. And to me, I don't know. I like numbers. I always have. And, uh, that, that was what got me out to the track a lot. Um, in later years, I hadn't been racing for a while. Um, but I knew the guy, in fact, the guy that was running the crew up at road America, uh, was the guy that did the photographs for my wife and I when we got married at Road America in 98. And uh, he had, I, I don't know how I got in touch with him or he got in touch with me. It was one way or the other. But I found out, oh, no, I went out to the track. That's what it was. And I realized I'd never really gotten into the corner working and stuff like that. I never realized they had their own corner workers at the track. Oh. I was doing the PA stuff where it was all volunteers. So... I voluntarily went out there more or less one day and got in with the corner workers and found out I could volunteer to work on corners right. during an event and went, okay, sign me up. I'll do it. Then I found out you get paid to do that if you get ah, onto the right. team. And so I was out there in 2014, 15, 16, probably, I don't know, 10, 12 times a year, um, monitoring the corners and just having a ball and started getting paid for it. So when you guys were out there, I started seeing the series from the side 
uh, going, okay, uh, this looks kind of interesting. We also have a team, the Stinky Rat Trap Racing. Uh, their, one of their wives uh, did work grid, which was associated with us corner workers right. for a lot of events. So I got to talk to her a lot and learn a little bit more about Jump Car at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Champ Car now. Um, and it was very intriguing. Um, I had the two rabbits sitting at my stepson's house. Actually, he owned them at the time, but um, I ended up purchasing them from him and uh, thought, you know what, this is it. I got to get back into racing. And this was, from what I could see, the most affordable, um, most seat time of anybody out here. Right. I mean, the time you get in the car is insane compared to anybody else that I have encountered. Um, I know there's lemons. I know there's lucky dog. And yeah, there are other groups out there that are trying to do it. But I also saw that champ car was definitely more race oriented, not so much goof off oriented. Granted, it's still a great time and fun, but I'm more of a competitor and having, you know, a participation trophy is one thing. But actually having trophies for actually doing something to me is where the goal is. Yeah. So I keep looking for I keep looking for a trophy for the uh Champ Car Live. Polly keeps stealing them all. Or sorry, t- winning them all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame I, I, I don't blame them a bit, Bill. Polly's the one that, that holds this show down normally. All right, Doc, um, you can stop now. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Polly, so, what do you got to say? Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I'm I'm just wondering what your approach is. You know, because what what is your approach to the game? Obviously, um, you've improved the car quite a bit, and I think you said during the interview now you're you're like a mid pack team somewhere in that area. Um, is do do you have a sit down with your crew and say, look, you know, this is this is who we are. This is what we're about. Or we're we're going to go out and turn laps and, and just be consistent and try to stay away from making mistakes and watch the cautions. Or is it like, no, nah, I don't worry about the competitive side so much. Let's just go out and drive around and have fun. W- what's your approach? You know, that's a good question. I'm at that stepping stone right now um, with Chip. I, in fact, I just talked to him tonight and we kind of had a discussion about that. And his first race weekend was this past weekend with Turtle. And he's had experience in other series in that, but he absolutely wants on board. Unfortunately, my boss is still sidelined due to health issues, but I'm the, I'm the crew in that. I'd be talking to myself most of the time. So. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. So Paul, and, you were, you were your own crew at one time as well, weren't you? Kind of. Well, I mean, when I raced in, um, in, yeah. And yeah, CCA yeah. when we, you know, raced in vintage, there was no sure. team. It was just me and my dad, you know. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at. I'm I'm starting to build a team. Um, Antonio, I'm an, I'm a Gola, drove with me in spring and also at the Nelson Ledges races. Great guy. Him and I get along so well. Um, and he more understands, I think, the throttling back of things. Where I'm I'm a racer at heart, man. I'm hammered down. Um run it out to the edges, let it run over the rumble strips. I know it'll hold up. Um, he's more like a, a little more conservative, which I probably could benefit from some of that on my side once in a while too. But he also doesn't use the car up 
um, Daniel Primavera is one that drove with me at uh, Nelson. Uh, first time he had ever been in Turtle. And again, another good influence on, on me as a team owner, I suppose, um, and what it really takes to do these kind of things. Um, Pat Troy was the one from Windsor, um, another great guy, great driver. Probably outdrove all of us, but he was really driving pretty hard when I look at the videos. But in the same light, he had a great time, and I had a great time having all of them. Um, this weekend, Chip Holland, uh, just meeting him, and how we met, we met through Skid Mark Racing, um, which happened to be a lot of Milwaukee tool engineers who I've kind of got connections to them and didn't even know it. Um, so that was kind of cool meeting them, and they put me in touch with with chip has just been wonderful so yeah skid marks been with us for a long time yeah yeah and they're the great team evidently that car is not here anymore yeah or not going to be yeah if it is it's going to take a lot from what i heard yeah (laughs) Yeah. so anyway so you talked about nelson ledges that's one of my favorite tracks nelson ledges oh i love the track and uh i don't i don't think i'd ever do a 24 ever again with just three drivers. No, no, we, no, 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 ever. <laughs> nothing. I don't think I ever would. I learned that just going there and doing it, but I had to do it. That, a 24 is something I've always wanted to do. If I had the physique of Paul and the Stanima, you know, just being able to do something like then yes, if the whole team was like that. But we did it the with Stan- four. Yeah, we did the, the Stan- VIR. Definitely needed. <laughs> we, did, we did the first 24-hour VIR with four guys. And right. afterwards, we said never again. It will always be six. We would never do yeah. it four again. Yeah, I, I learned that the hard way. Well, sort of. I, I I learned it because the car broke, thankfully. And when it did the second time, I was kind of relieved because <laughs> when the car breaks, yeah, yeah we could go to sleep I, I, now. <laughs> I couldn't believe. Yeah, seven hours worth of racing with it was enough. Um, it, how we would have gone through the night. Also, the night test on Friday night, I was the one they stuck in the oh, car. I wasn't going to. That's when you they discover stuck... how bad your headlights really are. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and also what cones do to splitters oh, and yeah. Yeah. what happens next lap when you're expecting that cone there and don't realize, oh, yeah, that's the one I just took out. Yeah. I ended up four-wheel drift off the carousel there in the dirt, and it goes downhill to the left pretty steep there. My, I just happened the gas and it yeah. pulled me back up on track, but I was like, oh, yeah. My first race is- at Nelson Ledges was, was with the Lemons 24. And it okay. was, uh, you know, you had 272,000 cars on that track. It was, yeah. an insa- it was just, it was insane. And the yeah. same thing with the cones. You, you would expect a cone to be there and then it would be somewhere else. And you, yeah, yeah, it's 10 yards <laughs> down. And it's like, whoa, whoa, I'm going way too fast now. And then yeah. next lap, it would be back where it was. You know, it was right. just, it was right. crazy. Oh, wow. <laughs> or it wouldn't be there at all, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm trying to get us some, uh, you know, a multi-day race there. We'll see what can happen. Um, don't know if we're going to be able to go back there next year, but we, you know, some of it has that to do with track, cost. That and, track is insanely fast. Yes. And I also learned that I can probably do with about half the camber on the front that I have. Did you have a lot there. of tire wear? Inside, never had inside oh. tire wear for we were at Nelson. And that was on the and, big tires? Uh, left front. On the big tires? That was, that was on the four chains, yeah. Oh, okay. But 
the loading that happens at a bank track like that is totally different than the ones we're used to. Um, Paulie and I, if around here, all these central division tracks were relatively flat and very few at banking, with the ah. exception of Groton's um, Mini Mazda Bowl or whatever they call that. That one was insane bank, but there you weren't going fast enough to really have tire wear issues like, like Nelson can cause. Definitely interesting track. I loved it. It was a great time. I love the people that are there, the people that run it. I mean, very comfortable place to go to. Right. All right. We're Road Atlanta this past week. Or sorry, Road America. I said Road Atlanta every time I can. I don't know why I do that. I go to Road Road Atlanta and I say Road America. But uh, we're at Road America this past weekend. Beautiful weather. Um, we get there on Friday, and you're uh, you have great. Great outlook of your car. Your your I see your postings on social media, and you've made some big changes to it. The car looks absolutely beautiful. Um, but uh, you go out for your first test day, and like I um, was telling Paul and the guys that as you were coming up pit lane, as I was setting my gear down in the tower, new tower, insulated glass, whole bit. It just sounds flat. I mean, your car it's loud. It's missing something, and something really important is missing out of that car as you go slowly up pit lane it just sounds really bad you could hear it through the glass that's how loud it was you go in the paddock you start tearing it down fixing it and um ultimately you come up to me and said we found the issue and actually i think i was standing around the car when you found it and oh yeah that you, was very nice you pull out the um by the way the rotor it, it was I mean, it was running down the front straight that it just shut off on me. And that's when you probably heard it missing. It might have been the front straight, yeah. But it was... Yeah, um, I, was on the I got towed back. Oh, I, it okay. died. I, I, I parked it right at the pit out. Um, and that was on the second time I had it out for the day. It ran great for the first test. Uh, the second time out, it was running great for most of it. And then just shut off. So basically, yeah, I mean, you ran faster than your distributor could spin. Evidently, yeah, it was that much quicker. It didn't surprise me, or at least it turned out to be the rotor. The yeah. rotor decided we couldn't go as fast as the distributor was going. So Something you get, like that. So you got it fixed. You start Saturday's race. You're doing pretty good, and then all of a sudden you're not. So yeah. what happened then? That's when we found the distributor gear had tore up. Somebody, had, in fact, it was funny. I'm in the pit lane. Um, that happened with me about. I was probably three quarters of the way through my stint. Um, and it had been running great up to that point and basically shut off again. So I got towed back to the pit lane. And uh, when I parked it, I got out of the car and somebody came up and said, you know, maybe it's a fuel issue. I'm like, no, I went that route yesterday because Saturday, <laughs> Friday I spent half the day thinking it was a main fuel pump, right. put a new one in. Had to get new fittings because the one I got had bigger openings than what I had had on the old one. Um, so I wasted most of the day Friday replacing a part that didn't need to be replaced. It ultimately turned out to be a $2 part. Um, so I knew not to follow that route Saturday. And I happened to look at it, um, figuring maybe the rotor broke again for unknown reasons. Pop the cap. And sure enough, the rotor's not pointing where it should be. It's off about a tooth. Oh. Um, but, but the rotor's tight on the distributor this time. So I'm like, well, the rotor didn't do it this time. So I pulled the distributor out and 
noticed the gears were getting pretty sharp in certain parts of the distributor gear. Um, so I ended up reclocking it, um, fired it up and it ran. I'm like, well, let's just get this behind the wall for right now. Um, it's not going to run long like this because it already jumped on me once. And we parked it by the trailer. I pulled it back out, looked and went, you know what? I've got another distributor. Then I realized I did. It was on the backup motor that's sitting in my garage at home. Fortunately, we're only 30 minutes from the track. Cool. I drove home, picked up the distributor and ran back. So about an hour later, um, I'm putting the distributor in. And just before I do, Chip goes, hey, you know, what about that gear that drives that? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I never even thought about looking at that, but let me look. So we rolled the motor over while the distributor was out. And it's like, you know, there's a couple spots that are pretty true and not terribly, but I'm like, well, okay, we'll throw it in. Is it, it. is it like a fiber gear or is it plastic oh, no, or metal? No, no, they're very metal. It's a cast iron uh, auxiliary shaft that oh, drives okay. that gear and then that drives the oil pump in turn. So I was, I was very questioning whether how long it would work but at the point of time it was like well you know what i'm throwing this in i'm gonna get chip in the car because he hadn't been in the car yet um and give him some laps see what happens um he took it out and it i think he ended up with like five laps um before it ultimately jumped again um he only jumped one tooth so it lost power it didn't just shut off with me every time it just shut down. Um, so he ended up limping it pretty much up the pit lane. And I think they ended up having to flat tow him for the last little bit. Yeah. I remember that. Um, yeah. And when it got back in, I saw that the distributor had jumped again. So that time we did take the distributor out in the pit lane and I put it back in where it was close and played with the timing and finally got it to start and run. And I told him just quick, drive it around to the trailer and line it up so we can get it in the trail. <laughs> yeah. Because I knew that that auxiliary shaft gear was was going to be a problem. I happened to have one of those at home too. So I loaded up the car in the trailer, um, loaded all the other stuff in the garage, and uh, took off for home and changed out the auxiliary shaft and had the distributor out of that motor where I knew the gears were together and had been mated, um, figuring that work better so i rebuilt that distributor too and threw it in um and got the car running changed the oil and filter and checked the magnet on the oil drain and there was some chunks on it which i expected um i probably should have ultimately dropped the pan and cleaned it out because i don't know how much shrapnel was in the motor um but at that point it was like okay i'm getting back to the track it was almost 11 o'clock at night right so i got back to the track about 11 30 dropped the car off in the garage unloaded it all myself um and figured okay time to go home and go to bed i i was running on probably four hours sleep from friday night into saturday and saturday into sunday i'm lucky if i got three hours that <laughs> Just, sucks i mean i, I remember I those days yeah race weekend you just it, it's what happens yeah it, it did definitely catch up to me yesterday about halfway through work but, yeah. and i had a good night's sleep sunday night but. now you you go into sunday and i remember seeing the pictures on social media and i think i commented on the show that's probably not going to last long because 
like you said, those metal shavings, they get everywhere in those engines and you, you'll yeah. never find them until, you know, it makes a little hole in the side of the block so you can actually look in and go, oh, there they are. Yeah, yeah. It, either till you tear the motor down and hopefully right away or until it decides to come on out. Yeah, <laughs> and they decided to come on out. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Number three rod through and put a nice hole in the case you can see in the front. Now you can so, see, will that buff out? I don't think that's buffing out, no. Um, maybe some Gorilla Tape. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Actually, the 3M tape, I think, is a lot better. <laughs> so 3M has so, extra extreme hole tape. I've found works much, much better. It does actually. So you're gonna, so you're gonna get that fixed. Car look good. Yeah. Car sounds good. Not yeah. now though, but you'll get that all fixed up. Where are you gonna race that next? Um, we're definitely doing Road America in the spring. Prior to that, probably nowhere. I mean, the winners up here. My problem with with the Champ Car schedule in the winter, I'd love to go. But you never know what the weather's going to be like around here. And just trying to tow through that. And towing a 10,000-pound trailer with a snowmobile is out of the question? I don't do that. I don't <laughs> snowmobile. I hate, I hate the cold, but I've lived here all my life. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I don't know you know, you're getting but, to the age now where you should move to South Florida and just go to see it. <laughs> my mom's in South Carolina, but... Yeah. Close enough. That's all right. <laughs> well, Tim, thanks, uh, thanks for... Uh, Paulie, do you have anything? No, I Probably was, I was really just curious. You know, I wanted to know <clears throat> first. I want to know about your approach to the game, um, and you, you definitely have an, uh, just an infectious attitude of positivity. And um, I was also wondering, um, you know, you, you come off a weekend, you've spent a lot of time working on the car, and the engine went on you. How do you how do you deal with that? Are you does you does that just roll off your back? It's like yeah, I lost an engine. That's okay. I'll fix it and get back out there. Or does that uh, does that uh, make you you know? Geez, what am I doing here? Oh no, I've I've never gotten to that point that I can remember where it's geez, what am I doing here now? I, I'm a the GTI. It's a turtle GTI. The water just rolls right off. It, it's stuff that happens when you do this. And if you've been in it as long as I have and it had it as much experience in the past um it's easy to let that stuff go i mean there's always another race um what would hurt me would be if somebody was injured because of something i did um or dies whatever i mean that would be something i'd have to reconsider everything about as far as the cars go they're all replaceable um they're fixable for the most part, if it's made out of metal, you can usually fix it. Um, and there again, I've, I've always had the, uh, my, my glass isn't half full or half empty. It's always full. Yeah. I mean, I've been blessed far more in my life than I deserve. And to see people that get so involved in this stuff or, or so deep, that, that kind of troubles me because it takes the fun away from everything. And if you aren't having fun, why are you doing it? Right. Um, you know, my approach to it is always do the best I can. Um, I love it when I'm doing good. I love it when the cars are doing good. I love it when we're improving. I mean, we were up to like 15th overall there on Sunday, nice. at least during my stint. So for me, that's, that's a huge win as it is. My first race with the car, I realized immediately after a seven hour, well, it was he, yeah, it was a seven hour, I think first time. 
um, because they had the cable problem, the transponder problem. But anyway, um, just finishing seven hours worth of racing like that is a win. Right. I mean, it don't matter where you finish. If the car didn't break down and didn't do a thing wrong and all the drivers likewise, that is a huge win and makes this sport so enjoyable. Um, and I mean, that's, that's been my outlook on, on racing. And, and again, if you've never been in a race car and you're interested, this is the series for it. Honestly, I mean, champ car is just phenomenal when it comes to giving you the seat time, giving you the respect on the track. I mean, I've not encountered a team directly that I've ever had an issue with. And ones that I may have caused issues with, I've had talks with, and everybody is so forgiving and understanding, especially when you're new to the series, um, to give each other the racing room we get. We never, I, I never saw that in sedans back in the SCCA days. I mean, they were pinging off of you. The Formula <laughs> 4 guys, absolutely, because if you touch a tire, if you're in an open-wheel car, you may be the one going over. Right. And But with the the sedans back then and and probably even to this day some they've got that rubbings racing i hate doing body work i do not <laughs> like it at all. Yeah. and i was constantly doing body work on my my chiraco um the the neon in particular was terrible for body work. that's right you raced Con neons too didn't you yeah oh yeah yeah yep. okay first one one of the first ones out on the track yeah i was the cover car in 94 on sports car cool and that that was awesome but they you know, again back then i was looking for how do you do this for a life and a living and i i was hoping i could get there but i i started way too late i i realize that now and back then even i i realized it relatively quick and i didn't have the funding that a lot of these teams and people have right. um i still want to this day i mean i I do what I can. Fortunately, this is my my worst habit is racing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's my only habit. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Basically, uh, it's, that's it. I, I spend my money on it and spend my time on it. Yeah. And when I'm not at work, that's what I do. So. Well, well, Tim, it's been a great it's been great talking with you this evening, and uh, that's it, man. Thanks for talking hey. with us. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. I, I've I've loved listening to the podcast. I've loved li listening to Champ Car Live constantly. Of course, you guys both know that. And uh, I, I will be watching every chance I get and listening whenever I can. Cool. So, cool. Again, thanks again for the opportunity to talk. I hope I hope I help interest some people oh, in yeah. this sport and in the club because uh, the more people they come out, the more fun it is. If people always. have if people have questions about doing this, how do they get a hold of you? Um, they can look me up. Um, I'm on Champ Car all the time, okay, Tim cool. Elliott. Um, I'm on Facebook, Tim Elliott. Cool. Um, you know, I have no problem answering questions, talking to people. Cool. Um, I work at Sheboygan Auto Helpers, and the number is 920 453 0240. All right, that's uh, Tim Elliott. The big guy in charge of the Turtle GTI in Champ Car Endurance Series. Thanks, Tim. And uh, we'll, 
<laughs> I miss I miss Doc so much. I, I didn't hear him a whole lot during the shows, but I mean, I, I hadn't been listening for very long before he passed. But oh man, I, I love that guy. Yeah, <laughs> and, he was a good yeah, guy. Gotta be tough for all of you. I I, I give you my condolences, and it, it's tough for me. And I only maybe heard five or six broadcasts. Well, I know he would have loved this stuff. He would have been yeah. all over this stuff. So. All right, Tim, thanks for talking to us this evening. And uh, up next, we're going to talk about the upcoming race at Pittsburgh and talk about the national championship standings and where to find them. We'll be right back. Every race weekend, you don't know what's going to happen. But with ChampCar.Live, all the action comes right into your living room. The Champ Car Endurance Series is North America's home to real competitive endurance road racing. And ChampCar.Live brings you live, full race coverage with in-car, trackside cameras, interviews, and expert commentary. And ChampCar.Live brings you live, full race coverage with in-car and trackside cameras, interviews, and expert commentary. Check out champcar.live on the web, subscribe, and ring the bell so as not to miss a single minute of the action. It's fun, free, informative, and it's just a click away. Champcar.live. Come check us out. We bring you a front row seat, but you'll only need the edge. That was Tim Elliott of Two Idiots in a Garage, Sheboygan Auto Helpers, and his 1980s Volkswagen GTI, or as he likes to call it, the turtle GTI. Funny, funny. Love the attitude. Yeah, yeah, his attitude's just, he's always smiling too. Always smiling. Even when uh, distributors are falling out of his car, he's right there just smiling. But uh, we'll be headed up to uh, Pittsburgh International Raceway. And I know that uh, Chelsea sent out an email to all the racers. There is a waiver that you're going to have to sign um, before you can get on track. You have to, have to have that on your phone. So make sure you do that. Check the email that Chelsea sent. I also posted it on forum.champcar.org in the race uh, post for Pittsburgh. Um, it's at the top, the original post, and also in a post I made towards the bottom. We have a national championship, Paul, um, that we hold yearly. Let me see. I, I messaged Dana to see if I could announce where it was. Let's see if he's replied back. Who's leading okay. that right now? Or right now, we've got um, RBA Graphics and Wraps with um, two first place finishes, so they are technically leading. We've got uh, Pinkies Out Swap, Dirty Thirty, TR Motorsports, Kruger Tune Racing. We've got Visceral Racing Group in the number nine eighteen, and we've got uh, R Bank Racing, ninety Racing dot com. Um, and one more team, a visceral racing group, the number nine, five, nine, all tied, uh, with three points. And so, uh, and the list continues and it continues to grow and people continue to get bumped as uh, each race uh, comes about. So, uh, there's been some, some teams that got bumped and moved up, uh, because of the Harris Hill race, you know, we had about 30 teams show up out there. So great racing, both at Harris Hill and Road America this uh, past weekend. Yeah, the um, I, I just checked the post from Dana. We probably won't be able to announce anything today. We'll have to probably wait till next next week. Uh, Dana's still working out some of the details on uh, when and where we're going to run the national championship in 2023. So now, where do we find these um, these championship standings? standings? Yeah. Well, you can find them on the champcar.org website. And so it's if you go to the main page and you do a little bit of scrolling, you'll see 
uh, the listing there that takes you to the national standings. And then you can, you can view them from there. Make sure you pay attention to the top line. It'll give you the as of date. And then so that'll give you an idea of as of this particular date, these are the official standings. Cool. The way those standings are set up is you have, if you look at the rule book, it'll tell you, um, you have to compete in at least two events and start um, at least two races in those events. Um, and then the best finish um, from those events that you run, the two best are added together. And that um, they're scored as if, you know, if you were to finish in first place, that would be one point. So it's kind of like golf. You want the lowest point possible. Um, and so, for instance, RVA has two first place finishes, so they have two points. And that puts them seated number one right now until somebody comes along and, and ties that up. Um, so that's how it, that's how it works. Um, and so, um, yeah, you can find that on the champcar.org website. And well, um, this year is similar to last year. 75 points is, is the bubble. Uh, we got 75 positions and it's typically somewhere around 13 to 14 points, maybe 15 is going to be most likely, um, where you're going to get bounced right now. It's uh, 20 points, but that's going to change as more and more teams run. So, uh, yeah, if you, you're going to want to make sure you get your, you want to be up in that top, you want to be in that 13 point range or above if you want to get into the national championship for 2013. That, that's kind of your target. And uh, it's a soft 75. If we have some teams that tie up down in that area, for instance, we have four teams timed with 19 points as they get pushed down. Um, we may have more than 75 cars that qualify. And that, again, is in accordance with uh, the rules and the way that Dana. Uh, has things structured right so yeah that's that's about it on that bill cool well hopefully i didn't screw up this episode um we are just beginning the recording because we still have the beginning to do because that's the way we do it but the uh the ending i hope i hope this is good makes brian happy you did add some professionalism to this Polly, and i want to thank you but uh that will do it for another episode of inside champ car i'm bill strong and he's paul veltham did you like what you what you heard? Subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss another episode. Share it with your friends, comment on our social media platforms, or send me an email at media at champcar.org. We have a new episode every week, and this is Inside Champ Car on the Racing Wire Podcast Network. <laughs>